Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 46, I'm Having a Rebellion. This week we're discussing series 4, episode 3 of Doctor Who, Planet of the Ood, and season 3, episode 11 of Buffy, Gingerbread. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, Planet of the Ood. Ood. <laughs> I love the way that um, Halpin says that at the end. Um, yeah, good Ood. Good Ood. He never quite gets the D out. It yeah. just kind of like trails off. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, but he's kind of a jerk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what's up with the? All right, we're not talking about him first. We're talking about the Ood first. Okay. Okay. The the um, I I sort of subtitled this episode the Ood Strike Back. Um, <laughs> the uh, Re- Revenge of the Ood. Yeah, Revenge or... of the Ood. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> actually, that's a better one. Dang it. Uh, anyway, the uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, we we were talking actually just before we started recording here about um kind of nice to have like a creature of the week not really a monster of the week <laughs> right, um, right even though i mean the monsters are really more halpin and team but yeah but yeah, even true. though the the sort of threat does come from the ood um and their red eye slash rabies mm. you know whatever you want to call that um but yeah, we were talking about how it's kind of nice to have one that we're almost like familiar with already, um, yeah. you know, having and, seen them and before. that we're kind of on their side. Right, too. right. We've already sort of gotten to know them a little bit and, and yeah. we know that they're very susceptible. So like you already come into it knowing that whatever they're doing um, isn't really like their fault per se. But then it's kind of funny because actually, no, it it is. It's, right, it's their right. fault. But the reason that they're being so horrendous is because they're basically slaves and are trying to free yeah. themselves of that um right no there's like a lot of reversals because you do expect them to oh they're just um susceptible to you know mind control so it's you know it's not really their fault but then you find out you know well actually no they're not being taken over by another mind or by the devil it's just themselves their own sort of shared mm-hmm. mind but then, you know, you reverse it again because actually they kind of should be doing that. Right. And actually we want them to do that. And it's like a good thing in the end. Right. So um, there's like a lot of reversals, I think, from mm-hmm. like what you kind of normally expect from an episode of Doctor Who or an episode of something that has like a monster of the week mm-hmm. um, that you actually, it's not quite that simple. And you keep switching like what's going on and who's actually fighting who and for what reason and everything. So. Right, right. Um, yeah. So definitely pretty interesting. I guess the, um, the, the, well, there's a couple of things, I guess, to where we could start. Um, but just sort of the overall situation. I mean, we already had seen that they were servants of a sort um, mm-hmm. and, and already had seen that they were considered relatively disposable (laughs) as as servants i mean that's um yeah i mean we we already knew that they were just sort of numbered right they're not given any sort of names Uh, even even though like the crew of um what was the you know they're in the satan pit yes Um, yes you know uh zach i guess 
uh-huh. finally, you know, at the end, he's sort of listing off their names, right? But it's all just, you know, ood number one or whatever. I forget, right, like... Right. The, the one-man ethics committee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and giving them all, like, commendations, you know, for their yeah. sacrifice or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, we are... So, again, we already sort of saw there that that they were not really considered full sentient beings in a way. Um, and so yeah. it's not like too surprising. Like we're coming into a situation where we already know. And I guess the, it, you know, even when you get to the point where like the doctor and Donna or Dr. Donna um, or Donna doctor, wait, what is it? He says <laughs> the, the, the doctor, Donna. The Dr. Donna. Yeah. Um, Dr. Donna friend. You're right. Uh, yeah. He, uh, you know, when they, when they sort of, see the Ood lining up there sort of in their slave lines and the guy whipping, you know, uh, his whip and, uh, you know, sort of menacing them and whatever, like that doesn't feel like it's too big of a stretch from just like, you know, they were servants, but yeah, we already kind of probably if we sat more than two minutes thinking about it would have come to the conclusion that there's something, something bigger going on here. So, um, you know, the the new pieces of information, of course, being that they had these four brain things, uh, mm. you know, apparently surgically removed. And that's what replaces, um, or that's where, like, the translators, that's what they replace, right? It's Which right. is an interesting sort of thing because you always sort of see them with the translator either in their hand or I guess it's sort of attached to them. Um and it's just, it's kind of weird because like that's the the presumption is that's sort of the position that they're born in is having something mm. in their hand, but the something in their hand is their brain or part of their brain or a second brain or yeah. whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's something that, you know, you could just sort of imagine like, I mean, they're literally sort of lobotomizing them you know, and, and giving them. Right. That's what Donna says. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, the, and, and so they're, but it's, but it's not just lobotomy where like they're pulling something out. They're actually replacing it with something. And, and that replacing is, is, is sort of the, the shackle, so to speak. Right. It's the, the thing that makes them better servants to people. It's not something that makes them better in any sort of right. way. It's so that they can be used better. <laughs> <laughs> um, right right it's the thing which allows them to communicate or i even just thought of this like i wonder if i mean i assume the translator ball kind of works both ways that it's the thing that maybe allows the humans to communicate to them as well so yeah. maybe it's the thing which allows them to be given orders and to be told yeah i hadn't you know. really thought about it that way but but that could be it too. Like it could be a two way, like it's translating into them. Although I kind of got the feeling that they could understand, like even the ones that still had their brains could understand. Could understand. The and that's true. That's um, true. And you definitely, I like Donna's faux pas with picking up the translator. It's <laughs> just like, no, 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 you don't have to do yeah. that. But like yeah. her, like, that seems like, like she thinks it's something you speak into or kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, my name's Donna. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah. So, but I, but you're right. Like, it is something, it is whatever, however it works, it is something which is artificial and it's there only for the use of 
relationship with humanity. Right. That it's put there by the oppressor to oppress somebody. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's a subjugation device of some sort. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, because they clearly don't need it themselves. Like, I mean, they've, right, right, right. you know, as passive or peaceful as they are, they've clearly evolved to that state without ever having that translator ball. So it's not like, you know, it's a natural thing for them, but it, it's sort of, it's that reliance and, and sort of the, I guess at that point they would sort of be used to holding something similarly shaped Mm. in their hand and, and whatever. So it's kind of that, it sort of has that, um, you know, subverting sort of design to it that, you know, I guess maybe you could argue makes them more susceptible even to just being, um, you know, being taken over in that way. Like, like it just, it's sort of natural, especially if, you know, it's the, what does he say? Is it the, the forebrain controls like their emotion and their memory. Right. So, so if you don't have emotion and memory, what else do you have? Well, I suppose instinct and the instinct is just to sort of, you know, use this, ball or whatever and and it's there and it kind of feels natural so you rely on that yeah. you know instead of um right whatever right else. yeah i like that the that's a good explanation that the doctor gives to donna that like the amygdala it's memory and emotion you take that away what are you without that you wouldn't be donna anymore yeah. you'd be you know like one of them you'd be yeah. you know, sort of lobotomized in that yeah. way. Yeah. Because your memory and your emotion sort of define you as a person. Um, and it's kind of apropos, too, that um, when they do rebel, it's they use the translator balls as yeah. their weapon. You know? I love that. It, there. And there's a nice irony to they, that. They sort of like, um, so the the Halpin and, and the others kind of address that by saying mm. they're not going to address it. They're like, so, you know, how did they, you know, subvert this translator ball thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's all the explanation okay. we get. <laughs> it's yeah. like, even like the doctor at least, you know, comes up with like this sort of like pseudo babble, you know, scientific. Yeah. Oh, it's the, you know, yeah. what's it and the who's it and whatever. And so like, just for them to say, you know what? I don't know. There's no reason why yeah. this translator ball should shoot electric sparks and make it look like someone had a stroke. Yeah, yeah. But but it does. We've acknowledged and, it and let's move yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> but it does and you just can deal with it. And I think that's fine. I mean, there's things like that in every story. I mean, you just have to sort of yeah, take yeah, on yeah. on faith. Well, and but, I like, <laughs> so to speak. I like to I like the I think this story is pretty um deftly retconned in that mm. you know i'm sure i i doubt that all the details of this story were worked out back when they wrote the impossible right, planet right. maybe Probably they thought not. they would bring the ood back someday but like in the impossible planet they use the translator balls to kill people mm-hmm. that way you know and it's not really acknowledged then either it's just sort of a thing that they do so I kind of like the way that they took that idea and then actually put some thought into it and thought about like, well, okay, so if they have these translator balls, what might they be? Why are they important? Why are they significant? And they actually make that an important part of th- what the ood is and what With the humanity brain, has mean, done to them and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other little things in there too, like... Um, uh, 
like Rose is asking a lot of the same kind of questions that Donna asks later. Like Rose asks like, do you like working here? Mm. Do, they, do they pay you? All these things. And it's like, it doesn't really go anywhere because that's not the right, I mean, pretty much they get attacked by the devil and they get a little distracted. But like this yeah. time Donna asks the same questions and we actually get to like follow them mm. and see what the answers are. Um, and I think even uh, someone in the crew kind of makes a joke about Rose being friends of the Ood. So, like, and here we find out that Ryder is friends. Right, so right, that there's actually an organization like, trying to, you know... Like a freedom-fighting, like... Yeah, 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 you know, an abolitionist movement, you know, for An the abolitionist Ood. movement, which they just... There's just that one little reference to friends of the Ood, and then it doesn't go anywhere. But here, yeah. you get the idea which, of a much more active... <laughs> which I just realized. Yeah. So we get, we get Foo friends of the Ood, and we get Moo in, in Buffy today. But anyway, Foo and Moo. Oh. We, and that's Moo. what we should have called hey, this episode. That could be the title. Yeah. No. Um, anyway. Right. We might have to re-record the opening. Yeah, no, no, no. We, 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 we're good. Um, but no, I, 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 I think you're right. I hadn't, I hadn't picked up on all of those. Um, sort of the, the connection between Donna and Rose would be the biggest one of what you just said that I, that I did notice. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, even you're right. The fact that they use the translator balls, um, you know, before to, to as sort of their modus morti or whatever you want to call that. And, <laughs> and the, um, you know, the, the, and sort of giving that an explanation and kind of tying it all in is, is kind of neat. Um, the, the, so uh, I'm just trying to think like, cause there's, it, it's weird because like, I mean, obviously they sort of reveal little by little and you get the, you get the, like the mini brains and then you get like the huge brain, <laughs> you know, that's like the, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, um, the, you know, the telepathic, whatever. And it's just that's an interesting yeah. sort of development too, because they, and they say they like found it under some big, like ice glacier. It's like, right. Oh, that's okay. So apparently the Ood are okay with the cold, um, planet. Yeah, like yeah. that's their home planet. So, I mean, obviously they sort of evolved there or whatever. And, and, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not even sure what to make of this big brain idea other than, I mean, just what we're told is that it's sort of this collective, thing and apparently rather powerful because it's able to be felt across three you know solar systems or whatever or three you right, know galaxies right. it, it or whatever it calls out to all the yeah, yeah yeah so right and they all start coming back home and stuff um i guess the one question that i sort of have and i don't i mean not sure that you know this or not but um mm-hmm. so the ones that have the translator balls i mean clearly they're they've lost their four brain thing um but like when they get you know sort of tapped back into the big brain like Mm -hmm. i wonder is that like like now they've regained sort of what they lost or at least it's able to compensate for it somehow because now they're tapped into like you know the community at large kind of thing like i I don't know i'm just speculating yeah i i kind of get that idea i mean i kind of get the idea that that Ryder says that he lowered the barrier to its minimum on the field, which was like blocking the t- the right, and then know, the, they the, eventually the psychic energy, and then they rebel. So the, the the idea I always got was that the shared brain is 
the thing which is allowing them to connect in their rebellion mm -hmm. or connect oh, in yeah. song or connect in community or whatever. So I would assume that means that the ones which have been lobotomized have at least something of that still left to them because they're like, they're not just vegetables. They are involved in, you know, and they're not even just vegetables. So it seems like, um, without, you know, like when they're, I mean, with the translator balls, they can still obviously speak and communicate somewhat telepathically anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. like it's not like they're they're completely devoid of intelligence or, you yeah. know, um, agency in any kind of way. Yeah. But it, it yeah, it just kind of makes me like it's it, it's almost like, you know, um, you have like the personal memory and then you have sort of the collective memory. And that's what, yeah. um, you know, and, and yes, they don't i guess ever sort of regain their personal memory or at least that part you know that's held in that it's kind of weird because the only the only explanation we get is that it, it the doctor actually says it processes memory and emotion um mm. so that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have memory and emotion it just means that they can't really use it to any good you know what i mean like that's the right. thing that i'm sort of struggling right. with like is how does that and and i mean of course i might be at fault for picking too closely on one particular word or something but but that seems like it's an important distinction that it processes yeah. memory and emotion not that it it's not right. the origin of their memory and emotion it's just it's what helps them to um you know sort of make sense of what the memories and emotions are so they right, still right. have the memories, yeah, they because still have it, the emotions. Yeah, like it's not like, it's like you said, like they're not completely without the ability to, to talk or to act. It's more that it's the, if it's whatever it is that keeps them, I mean, they seem to be pretty passive sort of naturally, but the thing that keeps them like actively passive, you know, beyond reason mm -hmm. seems to be, so it's, maybe it's not even that it, removes memory and emotion entirely but that it's the thing which which blocks and dampens that mm -hmm. to the point that the will to have any sort of will is you know uh sort of kept to its minimum yeah yeah um and i think too like that the element of community is important like you think about um uh in you know, when there was slavery in the United States, they would a lot of times break up families, mm -hmm. you know, to keep people oh, yeah. isolated, yeah. you know, so the element of, you know, not all the ood might be together, but if the thing which keeps them in community is this shared mind, mm -hmm. then to sort of block that, you know, yeah. to kind of keep them not connecting with each other yeah. seems kind of like that would be the thing which would mm -hmm. keep them you know, sort of oppressed and keep them, you know, not thinking, yeah. you know, to their maximum and everything. Well, and that's so. an interesting point because I, I think there's, um, when, you know, you brought up like slavery in the U S and, and of course, I mean, there were obviously there was slavery in other parts of the world too. So, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. No, that's just a for instance. Oh yeah. No, no. I, I'm, and I'm not saying that's a poor example. I'm just saying, you know, I'm sure there was similarities, but, um, you know, the other thing that, that I sort of picked up on was, the idea of, you know, what, when they talk about community, it's all related to the song, right? It's, you know, they, they, they need to break the circle. Well, why do you need to break the circle? It's so that we can sing it's so that we can mm -hmm. sing together. And, and of course that was a big part. Um, we get to hear 
something of, you know, the, the, the song of captivity, right. Through sort of mm-hmm. Donna's experience there. And I don't know if we're meant to think of that as like literally the Ood's song. It's more like, it right. seemed to me more like it was like a metaphorical the representation, representation of what of their song yeah. would be. Um, but it made me think in, in the context of slavery of, of the spirituals, you know, the stuff that, yep. Yep. that, and I don't know, I mean, maybe if there's, explicit mention of that like in the commentaries or anything but that that's sort of what made me you know yeah gave me that you know same idea because that is that was such a sort of a community thing it's it's like the way of having community even though you have no freedom you know what i mean it's it's that same sort of idea at least that i thought of um yeah um that i that occurred to me too i don't think i've heard any of the writers mention that but you know what made me think of it this time was the phrase, um, the circle must be broken, mm-hmm. because that made me think of, will the circle be unbroken, which is kind of a, right, right. it's a hymn. I don't know that it's only a spiritual, but I think it was one which was kind of, I associate that song with the spiritual. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I, that to me sounds like a more, more of a gospel-y kind mm-hmm. of song mm-hmm. um, when I think of it. Um, so I almost did wonder if that was kind of a nod to that spiritual and that whole idea of singing as part of your, you know, community, you know, while you're sort of going through a terrible time as a community, you know, and the way that that was used to build community and to get you through your work day and to have some sense of hope and all those different things that it was used right, for. Right. So, well, and, and I'd, like the, the lines are so similar. I do wonder if that was deliberate. And even if it's not, it's so close that you kind of can't help, but think of that. Yeah. I, and, and that may be, um, but just even as you were talking like there, like the, the, you know, yeah. Knowing that, that the song does get you through that, but, that the only ones who were singing were the ones who still had the brains, right? It's all the others that that field was dampened, right? The telepathic field. So they couldn't hear that or at least not until like it was sort of lowered, you know, to its minimum or whatever. But, um, the, uh, you know, and just sort of, you know, the, the cutting off there, which maybe in a way is even worse than the actual, like the slave. And I'm not talking here about, historically slavery of course yeah. but i'm talking about the, right, the, talking the about ood, the ood yeah. um yeah. you yeah. know maybe in a way for them that's even worse is is the being cut off and and not you know having you, you know you you know if if you've evolved and and developed to a point where that's the normal uh, you know way that you're supposed to experience your community is through mm-hmm. this telepathic singing or whatever and then one you cut off your ability to process your own emotions and memory. And then two, you're cut off from any sort of community, you know, that could potentially help you get past that, you know, an ability to process of memory and emotion. You know, that's like, it's like double shot, you know, there, like, like it, 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 you know, there's a certain sort of, I guess, existential aloneness that would have to almost is required by that sort of, you know, state of yeah. events. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's like you do hesitate to to draw too many parallels between real world suffering and the suffering of fictional rubber aliens. <laughs> but, 
you know, it's like you don't want to... But on the other hand, I think a lot of the things in this episode serve as pretty interesting metaphors for, mm -hmm. you know, these ideas. Yeah. You know, that the way community and personhood and isolation and all those things are kind of go through, you know, the myth, the mythical filter and come out, you know, as a Doctor yeah. Who episode. It actually, like, has some pretty interesting resonances with real world, mm -hmm. you know, concerns and everything, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and yeah, and, and again, like you said, you don't necessarily want to draw too strong of a line there. But, I mean, even today, there's still forms of slavery and and you know yeah, human well, trafficking when they, when they and, go in, and stuff like that well, when they go in with the big crates and everything mm -hmm. that are packed full of oud that's what i think of as like human trafficking right, right. you know that that's more of a modern kind of phenomenon and all these like you know uh just you know giant boxes crammed with people you mm -hmm. know that's something that happens you know yeah. it's kind of not an a not a very that's not a Doctor Who idea. That's yeah. Like unfortunately, that's a that. real yeah. thing that occurs. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, the the cutting off of community or whatever. You know, you you can sort of imagine the you know person either getting kidnapped or or in a different sense, you know, even if someone is wanting to be in that situation so that they can say you know, go to a better place and then hope to bring their family over later. Like, even if it's not yeah. specifically a, a trafficking thing, but more of like a, a illegal immigration sort of thing, it's still not, right. you know, there's still that sense of being cut off um, from mm -hmm. the things that, you, you know, the, the people and the things that you know and love. Um, yeah. So anyway, but despite that, so we should probably talk before we sort of lead the Oud, which um, yeah. we talked about the Oud a bit longer than I was expecting we would, uh, we which did. is all right. Um, so <laughs> a couple things. Um, we need to talk about specifically Sigma, Oud Sigma. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, his, I guess, so So here's the thing. Um that that I don't and this is just speculation I don't know what else you might know from commentary or whatever about it but um the implication at the end is that through the hair tonic which drinking hair tonic just sounds disgusting I don't know it sure does doesn't it that I don't know how that makes sense but anyway that the implication there is that um uh, he's been not I, I guess poisoning isn't quite the right word, although maybe it's a form of poisoning that he's been like drugging him yeah. or whatever to be yeah. come and ood uh, yes. over, yes. over time, which, which, you know, the doctor sort of says takes, you know, patience and like, right. Yeah. There's a different um, thing. But interestingly too, the doctor says, um, you know, something about Halpin's, uh, attention and and sort of um oh what's the other word he uses i can't remember offhand but sort of you know oh, like the, the, know. the specific like you know it's like kind of like the good master you know thing that you mm -hmm. get like like uh, you know he even has that one point where he says oh you know you you you, you know my good and faithful sigma you wouldn't turn on yeah. me kind of thing like you know even yeah. though like as as sort of a race, the Ood are all rebelling. You're, you know, we have a good relationship and I've been good to yeah. you and like that kind of thing. And, right. and, right, right. and, and then the interesting thing is there at the end that Ood Sigma 
acknowledges like he's a nude now and we'll take care of him and not and you don't get right. that like like you could hear those words like oh we'll take care of him and that could mean something very like sinister, sinister. Right? yeah exactly yeah but like you don't get that sense it's it's a he's he's one of us now like it's yeah you know we we actually will make sure that he's okay and right right that's a very interesting sort of like um punishment i don't know like what the word is for that because like i guess in a way it could almost be a punishment but then now halpin does end up becoming a nude so like i don't know i don't know what to make of that and 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 just the fact that that clearly it takes you know like like the doctor says you know patience or whatever there's you know uh I don't know. I guess, you know, even in the midst of sort of all the stuff that's happening, like is, is Sigma like really, you know, is he exceptional or is it just a a matter of variation? You know, he just, he didn't manifest with red eye as, you know, the other Ood or, or at least some of the other Ood did. He, his manifestation was to sort of hunker down and, and, Maybe that's why he right. was chosen as, you know, the position, you know, that he was in to begin with is because, right, right, you right. know, he still could, even without that forebrain, he was still sort of able to master his own um, emotions and yeah, and, his and own impulses long, and longevity. Stuff, yeah. yeah, to some degree. I don't know. I'm just I'm shooting from the hip here on all of that because I don't we, I don't know that we get enough to really sort of give us a, a definitive answer to that. But um yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, um, like I think it's. In, I think what the doctor says is important. Like you said about the revolution or the, I forget the word he uses, manifesting in different ways. So mm-hmm. like, anger and revenge, and then this sort of kind of cold, patient. Uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess it's sort of a revenge, but like you say, it's not a angry revenge. It's it's. I don't know. Halpin might make a better rude than he did a person for all we know. You hope. Um, (laughs) So, um, and I think too, I, I think the way you were kind of like trying to process that just made me think of Donna, like with her sort of WTF face at the end and saying, being with you, I can't tell what's right and what's wrong anymore. And I think that's kind of how we're meant to feel is I can't figure out whether this is right or wrong, but hey, you kind of have to sit back and say, well, this is, it's up to the Ood now, what, you know, like, it, you know, what whatever mm-hmm. they feel like they want to do, that seems kind of fair enough, given what mm-hmm. Halpin mm-hmm. did to them and everything. So, and that's for Ood Sigma. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he kind of seems, at the end, I think the impression that we get is that he is sort of... yeah a leader in the community. Like he seems to be kind of at the forefront and being like the, the one, you know, kind of wishing them farewell and, you know, speaking for the group and everything. So maybe he is sort of a more extraordinary personality, you know, kind of a leader figure among, you know, among the youth, but I don't know. I don't know. I think they're kind of intriguing questions, but I don't know that we really get any definitive answers to them. So. Well, I think um, 
before we leave Ud Sigma, <laughs> we should mm -hmm. probably mention the thing he says to the doctor at the end, mm. um, which is, I think your song must end soon. And then yes. the doctor asks, meaning what? And, and he says, every song must end. So there seems to be a pretty clear implication there that we might be seeing the end of this doctor at some point soon. Um, and I... Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I still, I've intentionally avoided as much as possible knowing when certain um, events like the regenerations or like major new companions, you know, come yeah. on or off. So I'm, I'm willfully sort of ignoring as much as I can. But yeah. I mean, since it's part of the narrative at this point, I, I did feel the need to at least acknowledge that they say that. Um, yeah, yeah. And that seems um, to be the, imp but then we also get, the implication, you know, from a couple episodes ago now of Rose possibly coming back. Mm -hmm. um, so, or, well, they don't say Rose. I took it to mean Rose. They said, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yes, uh, yes. Words can be tricky things sometimes. Right, right. Um, I know. I mean, this could totally be like a Macbethian sort of prophecy right, type thing. Right. I, you know, right. it, and I it, could be cool that's it the way i'm interpreting it, it at this point is that there seems to be something you know yeah uh, pointing I, to both of those things I, no so i would say um words are tricky things but it does seem that you know it seems a reasonable uh you know thing to interpret you know it seems quite reasonable to interpret those words that way so what i would draw your attention to is if you know if that is in fact the way we are interpreting it and maybe even the doctor might have his own interpretation of what that means mm. i would want to start to contrast that to the ninth doctor who we um who you kind of realized he was regenerating as he was regenerating in the sense that there might have been little prefigured hints but for the most part um it wasn't like the whole season was you know leading up to that or you know right telling you in advance this is going to happen right so if we and or the doctor are to interpret those words that way that would make this sort of a contrast mm -hmm. to have someone say to him you know your song must end soon um in advance of, you know, the song actually ending, um, sets it up as kind of a slightly different thing. Mm. You know, no, knowing something is coming is different than just sort of experiencing it. Or maybe not even knowing, maybe just guessing or having an idea that something is coming. Right. So, well, and, um, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, I mean, with the nine do Ninth Doctor, sort of in hindsight, you can see possible moments things like yeah. you know where where he's saying you know don't never say never ever you know what i mean like that right. kind of thing like but that's sort of like a general thing like don't say never ever things change and at that time i sort of took that to mean like rose you're young you might change your mind not yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm gonna change i'm gonna go away right. and you know right. someone else will be here um even though it's still the doctor, it's a different personality. Right. Or whatever. Right. So, yeah, no, I think there's a distinction so like, between 
yeah, no, I I was just going to say this is definitely more of a you. Yeah, your song is ending. So that doesn't mean the doctor's song as a whole is ending. It's just like your movement is kind of Mm. almost over. It's that's the way I took it. I don't. Yeah, no, I think there's a difference between kind of literary foreshadowing Mm -hmm. and like where something where it's there in the narrative almost prophetic you can say oh yeah whereas this is more um this would be more like a literal foreshadow one character saying to another Mm -hmm. your song must end soon which is different than saying something which in hindsight seems to have extra resonance right you know it's a more pointed um you know it, it's a more blunt yeah. statement of that. Um, um, but the the but the whole thing is fairly cryptic. Yeah. So, you know, we'll kind of see where that goes. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. The, the only other thing. Well, and I maybe we want to talk about some of the other characters related to the U2. But the only other thing I was going to say sort of along the same lines there is with Donna, who says mm. she wants to go home in this yeah. episode. I mean, she. And, you know, and that's after hearing the song or whatever. And maybe by the end, we're less convinced of that. But there was – that was interesting. I didn't – like she has that moment of, um, you know, I, I spent the time looking for you because I thought it was so wonderful out here. I want to go home. Yeah. Like – and and she, and there's no, like, transition there, right? It's I thought it was so wonderful out here. I found out it's not and now I yes. want to go home. It's just like <laughs> yeah. I thought it was so wonderful. I want to go home. Like there, yeah. she just jumps right to that. So anyway, yeah. I, and we can maybe talk a little more about that with Donna, but I just, I sort both of those moments together. I sort of thought were, were interesting. I don't know yeah. what that necessarily means, but um, mm-hmm. at this point, anyway, um, we talked a little bit. I have, well, oh, I sorry, have one more thing about one more thing about the Ood and, and those two before we kind of get more into the other characters is um, the way they, you mentioned the Dr. Donna um, and the way that they um, seem to kind of refer to, which makes sense for creatures, which have sort of a shared identity or a shared mind. They refer to the Dr. Donna kind of as a single entity. Mm -hmm. Like you collectively are the Dr. Donna, the Dr. Donna, um, right. Which is kind of makes sense from an Ood point of view. And, And so I like the way that that kind of, their way of viewing the world kind of informs how they look at the Dr. Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Cause I mean, and, all they say is, and it's Dr. Dr. Donna, Donna friend, friends. But they kind of right. pick up on it as, as if their name together is the Dr. Donna. So, yeah. Well, um, okay. I know we're not, we want to talk about the other characters, but well, we, we sort of we have to talk, talk about, about Dr. Dr. Donna. Donna because you also get, again, it's becoming a running gag. Of the um, assumption that the doctor and Donna are married, right? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Right. Noble, Doctor and Mrs. Noble, right. or whatever. Not, not, um, not ever, never, never, ever. Right, yeah. right. Which is kind of funny because then you also get sort of on the flip side, Donna being offended at being called Miss. <laughs> so it's like, well, I mean, you're offended when you're called married, and you're offended when you're called Miss. So, like, what, what's, what's the right? Proper. Well, she wants to be married. She wants to be married, just not to the doctor. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, um, but yeah, I, I yeah, like she's very she's very sensitive of her own marital status. Yeah, I like the um, however, the the way that that that's used to sort of portray the the different 
approaches that they each have to the Ood. Um, because the Doctor, uh, when the Ood are approaching them, right, they're in Halpin's, um, or, well, the main office there, I guess it's technically not his because he comes, you know, from somewhere else. But anyway, the um, they're sort of in that main office, you know, uh, handcuffed uh, to the the ball or whatever, and the Ood are coming at them, and the doctor's yelling, "Doctor Donna, friends! Doctor Donna, friends!" And and Donna's yelling, "The circle must be broken! The circle must be broken!" <laughs> like they're both they're they're both thinking of like from their perspective, what is the one thing that? Um, but I like that, like the doctor sort of saying, you know, look at us, look at who we are, look at you know. Yeah. you know we are friends but you know sort of take us as we can whereas donna's you know by choosing that line she's like asserting a sort of like affinity with with the youth like right. i she's like like the doctor saying actively empathizing yeah, we're, yeah we're we're different from you but we're still you know but we're good different and yeah. donna's saying we're the same as you we're you know we're like you yeah. we want the same and even when she's in the canister she's she says like i'm with you i'm you know don't hurt yeah. me i'm one of you or, you know like i'm right. with you or whatever so i just like how that like sort of their choosing of those phrases sort of kind of shows your uh or shows their sort of like mental state with you know how they see themselves in relation to the ood as well yeah. Yeah. I, that's a really, I hadn't really thought about that, but I really like that. Um, so, yeah. The other thing, and that, and that reminded me of something else. The other <laughs> thing, which with them and the Ood, um, that I like, and, and I can't take credit for this. I've seen other people say this, but I think this is really important. Mm -hmm. It, it could be another, um, we could list off these stories, but it could be another example of the, middle-class white people who come in and liberate, you know, an oppressed, you know, you know what I mean. Um, but actually, when you actually watch this episode, and this isn't to say that the Doctor and Donna don't have a role to play and that what they do isn't interesting or worthy of praise or whatever, but they don't actually do much. No. They kind of just run around. Yeah. And they learn about what's going generally on. Generally get in the they way. Get, yeah. They generally get in the way, and they kind of have you know it's more what we do with them is more learning about the situation or learning about the ood they don't actually assist in the revolution mm -mm. And, you know it's not like they needed the doctor to come in and liberate them and save them and everything right so i kind of like that aspect of it too yeah. that it keeps it from being you know um a little condescending that way mm -hmm. it means that they're just more witness to the revolution than the active right. you know well and even uh, i mean catalyst to it so. and and sort of and ud sigma even saves them yeah i mean he steps yeah. in front of halpin when he's pointing the gun at them so like yeah. and it's and it's through ud sigma's own again his own patience and sort of foresight that yeah that um you know halpin turns into an ud as well now you have you have the um you have rider so maybe this will be our, yeah. our segue into talking about the other characters. So you have Ryder who does help with, um, you know, lowering the field. But even there, you get the sense that, like, what did he say? He was like, it was like 10 years, like, that he's been, you know, waiting. <laughs> so it's not like, it's not like you have this right. incredibly competent, you know, guy. I mean, I guess, again, you have sort of like the patients and stuff. And and I don't, I mean, he's a doctor. So, I mean, it's not like he's stupid or anything. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but like. Um, they could have, they could have 
free themselves without. I mean, did he help? Yes. But is he absolutely right. essential? Right. He, I don't think so. And I think he even sort of acknowledged it. He says, like, it speeded up the process. Like, yeah. But, like, you sort of get the sense that given given enough time, you know, they're on their own. Um, and, and again, yeah. it's, you know, it's Friends of the Ood. So, you know, we don't know what that whole organization is like. But, you know, I mean... Yeah, no, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're right. The Doctor and Donna don't do a lot. They get in the way a lot. No. And and they get captured. <laughs> they serve as a great they distraction. Get, well, I was going to say, they get captured. Yeah, and, and maybe that's it. It's like, they don't do a lot. They're just more of like the catalyst. You know what I mean? Like, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not even sure how true that is. Because, like, you're already seeing, even before they get there, the Ood's starting to get the red eye the and, red eye and, and, and like that, apparently yeah. that's already been a problem that has been escalating. So it's not like, right. It, it doesn't right. seem like even they're showing up there is that much of a catalyst if it is one at all. So, right. right. Yeah. So I don't know. Although I do have to say the scene, the chase scene with the big, you know, uh, game claw, claw thing, thing is, is yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and a little yeah. more protracted than I think I might've expected if, uh, you know, I had heard about it. Yeah. You don't see a lot of, like, I think the last... Yeah, no, they don't They do not do kind of extended action scenes very often. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, them. and the last one I can think of is with the TARDIS lying down the highway, you know, with... Uh, <laughs> the, well, the first time we see Donna, right? Isn't that when that is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But... um. Yeah, so Ryder. Okay, so he lowers the field and he gets pushed over and falls into the big brain. Eaten by the brain. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing to happen. I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from that. The big brain Uh, eats stuff. Me neither. So. Me neither. You don't want to fall into it. That's what I take away from it. Um, That's all we have to say about that. I don't know whether we have anything else to say about Halpin, but... I, for sort of personal reasons, his pulling out clumps of hair really, really disturbs me. Like, super, super disturbs me. And then, and then especially, you know, the whole skin peeling off. Yeah. Like, that is pretty gross for Doctor Who. You know, they don't do that a whole lot, but that's, that's pretty out there and then he just sort of barks yeah. his brain out <laughs> and his hands it like the last punctuation yeah. mark so i think that's a really i mean the thing with the hair tonic is a little contrived but the transformation at the end is so creepy that i think you can kind of get mm. away with it mm. yeah i don't know i mean i've i've come to grips with my own hair loss long ago so um <laughs> but yeah no I, I hear what you're saying i think uh it is it is weird to see him like especially that the first time when he sort of looks in the mirror and he comes away and there's like this clump of hand, oh. hair yeah that's oh. that's yeah. not good um, no. No. yeah I don't know I mean and and you do sort of get the sense like because he is such a repulsive guy yeah but you get the sense like at least he's bothered by what's going on you know what I mean yeah. like yeah it's stressful and. You have to like. You'd almost feel worse about him if he was perfectly fine with all of the atrocity. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah. 
that does almost sort of seem to give him a little bit of humanity. The fact that like he seems to be at least having a crisis of conscience enough that it's affecting him physiologically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe not. But and I think like that that line too about can't say I've ever shot anyone before. Can't say I'm gonna like it. It's like he's like the ultimate, like almost like bureaucratic villain. Like he's not a villain. He's not like I mean he is a villain, but not in the sense of like an evil mastermind. Like like he's like he's a businessman and he's an evil businessman. But like he doesn't particularly fancy himself as. He's not the master. He's not seeing himself right, as right. the evil villain. He's someone who, like... And that almost, in a way, makes him more distasteful. Because I think the kind of running theme is people who could be good people if they stopped and thought about what they were doing. Or if they spoke up. Or, or whatever. You know, it's... They're not, like, actual, yeah. you know, mustache-twirling villains. They're kind of normal people who do bad things because they don't want to lose their job. Well, they don't know? want to lose their jobs. And, and it's, it's sort of, um, well, it's momentum, right? It's inertia. It's, it's because, you know, we also get that Halpin has inherited this mm-hmm. company and this situation and all of that. So it's, I mean, in a way it's all that he knows, which isn't an excuse, but it, it does go to help understand sort of, what he's doing a little bit better and the fact that it was just sort of handed to him. So of course he's going to keep trying to preserve it, you know, as much as he can and, and, and all of that. So, you know, again, not necessarily like we would like to think that it would be nice if, if he uh, sort of saw the light and, and stopped (laughs) pressing the oud and all of that. And, you know, but then again, it, it, you know, going back to sort of the institution of slavery, it's like it's it's not an excuse that you grew up with it and therefore perpetuate it per se, but at least makes it a little more understandable as to how yeah. it can keep going, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah, yeah. and why it can keep going in that way, um, you know, for, for what that's worth. Uh, I, interesting, you know, what you said there, too, about it's you know, like these people who are not necessarily bad people, but, you know, just sort of want to keep their jobs and whatever. And that's exactly how I thought of Solana, Solana. Yeah. How, yeah. how do you pronounce her name? Solana, I think. Um, because you get, you get that very sense right there mm-hmm. when the doctor sort of says, you know, you could, you could help here. You know that this isn't right. This is, you know, something that there's something wrong going on here. And, what does she do? Well, she calls for the guards. You know what yeah, I mean? But yeah. there's that moment of hesitation where you almost kind yeah. of think, well, maybe she's going to work with them and show them what they, you know, where they should go or whatever. But she doesn't. And she calls yeah. the guards and then she tells help and where they're going and stuff. And it's just like, well, that was a moment and you chose poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and kind of seals her own fate by doing that. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. It could have been Dr. Donna Solana, friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but funny. that didn't end up happening. It doesn't have the same ring to it. but No, no, it doesn't. But, you know. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, okay, Any anything else about sort of the ancillary characters there with the Ood? Oh, well, Kess. Yes. We didn't talk about him. I mean, the only thing I was going to talk about him was his glee 
you know, yeah. in pursuing the doctor with the claw yeah. um, was kind of <laughs> bizarre and upsetting. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, he gets his comeuppance. So, you know. Yes, he does. Yep. Um, and yep. he seems no, like. I mean, he seems more. He is your mustache twirling villain. He's the one who well, like he's evil and he likes it kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe I don't know. I don't know evil. Like he certainly likes his job as an oppressor. Like he's he's sort of like like the classical like overseer. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like the yeah. the the or the idea plantation of the overseer master who, kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he's he's not the owner. He's not you know the highest guy up, but he's got a little bit of power and he's gonna use every ounce of it that yeah. he can. Right. Um, and 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 has that sort of yeah that sort of like lifer in the military <laughs> uh attitude of yep i have a yep. gun i know how to use it and you can't yep. stop me although he does get stopped in the end so good yes he does um on to donna and the doctor in our last few minutes in our here. last couple minutes well we said a lot of stuff about we did them talk about in them relation to the ood yeah um but do we have anything else about them which is well, not necessarily related to yeah I, I mean i was gonna just you know start out like the the fact that when they arrive um before they even know like where they are or whatever donna's you know so excited and then she steps out and it's all snowy and she's kind of like oh yeah whatever but then she comes out in a big old parka yeah <laughs> she's yeah. like it's like i'm prepared because she packed like half yeah. her wardrobe how so. much did she well that, and that yeah i mean that's that's what she brought with her that's not even yeah. I guess they didn't. She didn't even need to visit the wardrobe, you know, room of the right, right. She's um, got her suitcases, like Tardis right there. or whatever. And then, I like uh, to. I like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Well, I would. I like to. Um, how she goes inside to get it while the doctor's talking, and he's doing his like, "Oh, isn't this amazing? Citizen of the Earth, all that." And she's not even listening. She's inside getting the coat, and it reminds me of when she says like. When he starts to do his bigger on the inside routine and she's like, I know all that stuff. Like she completely like isn't even listening when he's doing his kind of doctor shtick. So it's that further kind of undermining of his authority that, you know. Right. And it, and it's fine. Right. Cause the last two companions have been these, like, you know, these young women who are sort of easily awed by. Wide eyed. Yeah. 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 yeah, Like, and are listening with bated breath, at least at the beginning, you know, the listening with bated breath at everything the doctor said. And she's just like, whatever, I'm going to coat. It's cold. Get my coat. It's freaking cold. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so she's sort of, in, she's in love with the idea of the traveling. She's as excited as anyone, but she's also practical. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get my coat if we're going out in the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's a trap. Um, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I mean, most of most of my notes here about Donna, we already sort of touched on the, the um, I, I guess, sort of her initial contact with the Ood. We didn't really talk about and sort of like her repulsion at first, mm, but, yeah. but very quickly she becomes compassionate and then is even like, well, aren't, aren't we going to bury him? Like, aren't we, you know, like, like, it, you know, once she sort of realizes that this is a creature with feelings and emotions and, and, you know, uh, is sentient, you know, it's not just a monster or an animal. Yeah. Like she very quickly is able to sort of look past the, the, you know, cephalopod kind of look of it. And, yeah. and, um, you know, see the the humanness of it, yeah. Uh, you know, so to speak. Um, and I think that goes to like 
you know, kind of what I was saying before about her way of connecting with the youth is is that is is to identify as mm-hmm. we're the same versus the yeah. doctor who is identifying as we're not the same, but we can still be friends. Like, yeah, you know, just despite of our differences, um, yeah, we can still be, you know, uh, we can still work together or whatever. Um, yeah. I, and, and so, uh, I guess the only other moment, well, and you meant you brought up like sort of the, her interrogating, you know, are there free or, or wild ood? And they're like, I don't understand the concept of free. Seemed a little forced there, but um, you I know, like you get I like her line about are there rude running wild somewhere like wildebeest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes yeah. me laugh. Um, and and we get more of her sort of cheekiness when when the doctor is, you know, she's talking about well, I don't I don't have slaves, and he goes, well, who who made your clothes? And she like gives oh, yeah. it right back to him. She's like, oh, yeah. you know, oh, is this why you bring a companion so you can feel superior and take yeah. cheap shots and you know whatever and and. <laughs> Yeah. He starts to say sorry and she's don't spaceman. <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. just just like you know what you were doing. You were you were trying to look down on me. Don't look yeah. down on me. No, I I like that little exchange cuz they kind of both have a point. You know? Like there there is a point to what the doctor's saying, which is that like this is not slavery and human trafficking and all these things are not an alien concept and they're not even a concept in terms of what year you live in you know um but on the other hand donna is right to kind of say look you can't just bring me along so that you can patronize me about you know you know the things that you know you might be enlightened about that Mm -hmm. whatever um and well and it's and it's silly to sort of blame one person yeah, for that yeah. whole institution, even though you're right, there is sort of a sense where we are all contributing. I mean, I buy clothes that I'm sure were made in Bangladesh by children earning three cents an hour, if that much. You know what I mean? Right. Like that. I can't say that all of my clothes were, you know, handmade in the U.S. for minimum Free wage. Trade. At least. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or right, or fair wage, or whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, yeah. At the same time, to blame me specifically for that seems kind of weird and not telling the whole picture the other way either. You know what I mean? So like there's – yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there is a a view on both sides that is accurate to some degree. Yeah, and just that she – they will – that seems to be their relationship is – more of a more of a pure relationship than the previous companions we've seen where they will – challenge each other and have a little snark and then mm-hmm. she calls him spaceman and he kind of smirks and then they're fine you <laughs> right. know it's like they're kind of they have their little spat and then they're over it you yeah. know um but she kind of will call him on that and and you know i just kind of like that the little um that little banter that they have mm-hmm. is good mm-hmm. i think yeah um and, um yeah but but then again, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the realizations that she has and sort of that, that ending there where she just says, mm. it's it's weird being with you. I can't tell what's right and what's wrong anymore. And he's kind of <laughs> like, that's okay. That's, yeah. in fact, preferable, you know, yeah. because then you don't get – and I don't know if we should take that at 100% face value, but I think there is sort of a – you know, when you do start worrying, oh, is this right or wrong? You do sort of 
it, there's a, a withholding or a, a hesitance that comes about with that, right? It's like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this because it might not be the right thing when maybe that's exactly a thing that's needed, regardless of, you know, first of all, whose moral stick are you using? But also, mm-hmm. like, what, you know, why is, is there anything that's universally right and wrong ever? Like, it, it's really more about the situation that you're in and trying mm-hmm. to make things better, Um yeah. You know, and, and not not like vaguely, not by saying, well, if everyone just, you know, turned their lights off for three minutes a day, we would save this amount of electricity. It's like, no, what can you do right now to make this particular situation better? And and that's where it seems like that's kind of like what he's saying. It's like you don't people almost just sort of know what's right and wrong. Like that seems to be sort of uh, what he's getting at, that you don't you don't necessarily have to or I'm sorry, that that you don't necessarily know what's right and wrong, that, that you just sort of have to go with what you feel rather than stopping and thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, do the best of your uh, own, and acknowledge your own limitations. Like, he says, like, mm. it's better that way. People, what is it, like, people who know, who think they know right from wrong tend to be like Mr. Halpin. So, not that there is no difference between, I don't necessarily, I think what would be taking it too far would be to say, there is no right and wrong. I, and I, right. that doesn't sound like a doctor kind of thing to me. What I think he means by it is, is acknowledging your own limited understanding, you know, and, right. and understanding that you might have a incomplete sense of right and wrong and doing the best you can with that knowledge. Right. You yeah, know? no, no, and, I don't. I don't get any sense that he's that this is an amoral statement in any kind of way. Like he's he's not right. saying you know, oh, what is right and wrong? And I wash my yeah, hands yeah. of, you know, the truth right. and all that kind of stuff. Like, no, I, I think I think here it's, yeah, like you're saying, like there's, there is a right and a wrong, but we might not know what the right thing was for years and years. So we have mm-hmm. to go based on the best information that we have, yeah. which may be ambiguous and often is ambiguous, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever. So I, I, yeah, I think that it's an interesting thought and, and sort of coupled with her, you know, wanting saying that she wants to go home after hearing the singing. Mm. Um, yeah. And I wanted to say one more quick thing about that before we, we got to switch over to Buffy, but, um, her, uh, you know, I thought of when she says, um, I was, you know, I thought, Oh, where's the quote? When she says that, um, I thought it would be so wonderful out here. Um, it kind of reminded me too of what she said about her own travels before she found him again, that, you know, that she had these ideas of what traveling would be like. And then she goes to Egypt and it's kind of like, you kind of get this idea that travel, if, if travel without the doctor is a little bit of a disappointment after being with him, travel with him is difficult in a different way. Cause here it's certainly not disappointing, but I mean, think of her, especially compared to the first couple episodes with Rose and Martha. Think of these are the first two proper trips Don has had, and they've been pretty traumatic. Mm. You know, Fires of Pompeii and Planet of the Ude. So you get, like, mass casualties in one and, and unmovable fixed points of history one week, and then the next week it's like, okay, we get a glimpse into humanity's future, and what do we do? We spread out across the galaxy and oppress 
alien races. Like these are <laughs> right, not the very second happy. great and bountiful human empire yeah. is, is these are not very happy yeah. experiences. So as much as she's excited to see a new planet, I think she's kind of having to confront these the reality with versus expectation. So yeah. just like she kind of did with, you know, traveling to Egypt and it being all like guidebooks and don't drink the water. Now she gets to go with the doctor. She gets what she wants. And what does she find? It's sort of a lot of very difficult, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think rewarding enough in the end that she wants to keep going. Right, you know, right. She feels positive enough to keep going. But in that moment, it's a kind of, I can't take this anymore. This is too much. I just want to go home. Well, and yeah, I mean, you have to take into account the fact that this is, that's the low point for her yeah. of the episode. That's the yeah. emotional low point of the episode. So, I mean, I, I don't right. think by the end of the episode, I, I agree. I don't think she's necessarily thinking she wants to go home anymore, but there's definitely that sort of stuff to think about. I'm also yeah. thinking, you know, you, you brought up the, you know, about the trips to Egypt and stuff and that's interesting, but also that was the reason she didn't want to go with the doctor in the first place. He said, you know, come with right. me. It's beautiful. She says, and terrible. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. and this this is the and terrible part, right? And it's not yes. the and terrible, you know, oh, we're going to it's not like the grandiose and terrible. We're gonna fall into mm -hmm. a black hole. This is the realization that humans have not really evolved into a better species over the last mm -hmm. however many thousands of years. Right. And and that that's a hard thing to come to grips with, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that it kind of you know, you get a trip in the past and trip in the future, and it's a lot of uh, death and hardship in either direction. That You mm -hmm. know, it's right. not all the kind of romanticism. That There's still an element of right. this is what the world is like. Right. The, the, you know? the more things change, the more they stay the same kind of yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And, it, and to close us out, you were right. They did go to the future, so it's satisfied the past or the present, past, future. <laughs> right. So. Right. There I, you go. Yeah, you know, I forgot I had said that. There's, but our, right. there's our formula for the for the season yeah. fulfilled. Well, well, there we go. That on that note, then I guess feeling fulfilled, we can move into the discussion about both. Some more, some more oppression and hatred and death. <laughs> yeah. Of a different sort. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think we were going to So I to wanted start... to start with the witchy stuff. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to steal your thunder there. The witchy um, stuff. All which the is witchy basically stuff. which is basically everything. Which is the entire um, episode. So we're well, gonna start so with everything at this point. If we're gonna start with everything, if that's okay. Um should take about the whole episode. So <laughs> the, so what I meant by that was before we get into like character specific wishy stuff i wanted to just acknowledge some of the bigger points the tone and the theme um, and, the yeah. tone and the themes and stuff so yeah. i i like the way that it kind of plays with this idea of the witch hunt you know what mm -hmm. that's come to mean i mean kind of from you know salem trials and other similar witch hunts we kind of get this idea and then you know you get uh McCarthyism and and the Crucible being written in the fifties with all the scapegoating with well, you know communists and, and all these things. So and sorry, even now with sort of like the war on terror and that kind. Of, you yeah. Know, I mean, we we get the you know all this stuff with like sort of the NSA and even just like today there you know there were 
CIA, you know, in front of Congress, you know, saying we weren't, you know, looking into all these people's files and stuff. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, you know, it may more take slightly different form. Yeah. yeah. Again, <laughs> you know, it may take different forms, but yeah, there's yeah. these, the, these, which, you know, if you're labeled this particular, you know, whatever, whatever the evilness of the current zeitgeist is, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you know, you get hauled in front, you get your rights taken away. And, mm -hmm. and, and not only are your rights taken away, but the fact that they were taken away is dismissed as, um, you know, minimal. Uh, when, when Buffy's mom says, oh, you know, oh, don't be, you know, basically don't be over dramatic. A few lockers were open. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and, and, and right. that clicks in my mind today. Like you hear the people, well, if you're not doing anything bad, you don't have anything to hide, you know, and that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's like, well, no, but actually that's what privacy means. It's not about hiding stuff. It's about not, you know, not having to show what you're yeah. doing. Like that's, there, there's a completely different focus for that. So anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of went on my libertarian <laughs> rant there. For a, a little libertarian um, tangent. No, but um, I think that's all, I, that's all good because that's what, so because of this historical tendency to do this, we have this term witch hunt, you know, which stands in for not just the literal historical phenomenon of a witch hunt, but this whole idea of, of scapegoating, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, Hey, we've got some witches in Buffy, so why not explore that issue with them? And yeah. that kind of makes sense. And I like the way that it takes all the different traditions of witches and sort of blends them. So you get, you know, the fairy tale element with Hansel and Gretel. And we can talk about them later, but kind of the subversion of that. Mm. Um, and then you have the idea of the Salem witch trials and, you know, uh, you know, women and men being sort of um, persecuted, you know, and sort of tried unfairly before everybody. <laughs> Whatever the boy equivalent of witches. As Cordy says. Which, and, you know... In Harry Potter, it would be a wizard, but there you go. we're not in that universe. Um, and and then like the modern occultism too, with you know, uh, you know Buffy and Amy, or not Buffy, uh, Willow and Amy practicing, mm -hmm. you know, and um, Michael, yeah, and Michael doing the, the their sort of the goth look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of a clever idea to kind of take all these different traditions and sort of treat them as one in a way, you mm. know, that these are all, kind of, which makes sense, you know, if we're treating what, you know, they kind of use the line in here that fairy tales are true, but that's kind of been the Buffy theme from the beginning, even though they haven't stated it in those terms. It's kind of always been that idea that all the, all the supernatural or fairy tale or Gothic elements that we've ever heard about are, in some sense true in this universe that they have an origin somewhere, right. you know? Right. Um, so it's kind of taking that idea and playing with it a little bit and doing it with witches. Like we've seen it done with all these other monsters before. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you see the, um, you know, sort of the, the, on the more things change, the more they stay the same note as well. <laughs> you, you get sort of the, um, echoes of the bullying in the high school and how it sort of gets amplified in you know when people become adults <laughs> you yeah. know that kind of thing when you know when hopefully you like to think that most adults can sort of 
overlook some of that. But I mean, you know, frankly, there's still bigotry and and uh, ignorance and whatever, you know, in 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 as many adult, <laughs> uh, if not more, places as there are in high school. You know, I mean, it doesn't ever really go away per se and and so you see you know michael getting menaced by the bully in high school and then you find out later you know his dad is beating him up with a bunch of people because of his um you know dabbling so to speak and right um yeah no it's 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 very interesting and it and it does sort of stem from that again that ignorance the not quite understanding what's really going on and i like well there's a couple of fake outs um, mm. but maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. So what else sort of about the tone and the, the theme did you have before we start getting into specific characters or, or do you want to go into? No, I'm ready to talk about characters unless you, unless you had something else. No, no, I was just, I mean, cause I was going to start talking about sort of Willow and, and sort of mm-hmm. with that moment where you find out that she has, you know, her and Amy and Michael are you know, doing the spell with yeah. this um, symbol, like what, uh, so at that point, what, what were you sort of thinking? Because, um, you know, you know, that got me, but I, I think I was expecting it to be because I definitely had that moment of, Oh my God, there's Willow, you know, but I don't know. I think I was ex- expecting it to be something like, she was involved, but maybe wasn't in control or didn't realize she was doing it or something like, mm. like she was being like she had inadvertently like, like maybe or something or, or even like, what was that line of Giles about? Like, you know, opening doors and letting things in, mm. like maybe she was, you know, maybe in some spell, they accidentally called in a spirit, which is controlling them or something like that. Mm. So I didn't expect it to be, that they honestly had, like, literally nothing to do with it. I think I was thinking it was going to go that, you know, they were sort of, they are framed, but you know what I mean, like, that they were maybe compelled to be involved somehow and maybe didn't realize that they were doing it or did it against their will or something. So I think that's where my brain started going the first time I was watching it. Um, But it definitely caught me off guard to see... um, well, because first you see Amy, and then I, so you, you're like, oh, it's her, you know? And you catch yourself doing what the episode is calling you out for doing, which is blaming the witch, right? Yeah, yeah. So you see Amy, and you think, oh, it's her, you know? Right, oh, she's she the one is, responsible. She's part of it. And then you see Willow, and you have to go, ooh, you know, do I feel the same way about Willow? Mm-hmm. Or do I want to give Willow a free pass because, well, I like Willow. You know, right, whereas right, I'm perfectly right. accepting of if it's Amy that's the bad right. Guy. We've already sort of seen Amy as the witch and and sort of having yeah. right. You know, I'm, those I'm, moments I'm, where she's I'm quicker to scapegoat her. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then when it's Willow, right. you want to say, oh well, surely she has a reasonable explanation for this. You know, it can't be Will. So you do kind of catch yourself having those sorts of um snap judgment reactions to mm-hmm. things you know with with limited information like yeah yeah i don't i mean we've kind of questioned whether amy should be dabbling in this stuff given what happened to her mom but i don't think amy's really earned any sort of villainous 
title, you know. It's no. there's no reason I should be blaming her for the murder of these kids, but if you see her there, you kind of go, "Huh," you know. Right. You're kind I mean, of willing to believe that. And and it complicates it when you see Willow there. Right. And and all we right, really all we've seen of Amy before is um yes, she helps Xander with the the love potion, right? And yeah. but she's sort of coerced into doing that because Yeah. All right, she was, you know, tricking the teacher into thinking she handed in her homework. That's not good, but it's mischievous. It's not yeah, evil. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and 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 then when she's under the influence of the love potion, of course, she turns Buffy into a rat and stuff. So, right, she has a thing for like, rats. <laughs> but like but that's the you know, again, you can sort of say, Well, she's under the influence of a different force like that. Yeah. So yeah, we're not even though we might be more willing to sort of blame Amy. Like you're totally right. When when we say Willow, we're like, oh wait, actually, no. There's got to be something else going on. There's here. something Willow else going can't on. Be yeah, yeah. Doing this, at least not intentionally. So yes, yeah. Um, and I think you're no. Right. And I mean, those were my and, thoughts exactly. And that um that scene actually, we, we first see Michael, who we don't know at all. Like this is basically yeah. where we're introduced to him. So like, right. you know, we don't we don't know him. We don't know what he's capable of or whatever. And then you see Amy and we're like, well, we're kind of familiar with her. And actually uh, I could sort of maybe see her doing something like that. Yeah. And then you see yeah. Willow and you're like, wait, no, there's gotta be a different explanation. Yeah. I yeah. think you're right. I think we're totally meant to sort of form those same opinions that throughout the course of the episode is, should be a chastisement to us to say, maybe mm. you ought to not uh, be so quick to judge. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I yeah. guess just like sort of continuing to talk about Willow and, and maybe mm-hmm. Amy together and um, the, the, so there's, <laughs> there's with Willow, um, obviously it all sort of leads into her relationship with her mother too. Yeah. Um, which yeah. maybe is not, I mean, we've never, we haven't seen her mother since, you know, the beginning of the show, she's never appeared until now. And we won't really see her again. So right. this is like, which, which I, you told me that. And I, I have to admit that seems kind of appropriate given <laughs> right, the relationship right. that they have. Um, yeah. I, she might, at least my mom doesn't care about my extracurricular activities yeah. or my curricular yeah. activity. Like well, she just I doesn't like that care too, because then um, real briefly you get a shot of Amy and she just kind of smirks like, mothers you know which of course yeah. we know her mother's trapped yeah. in a statue because she's you know because of her dabbling yeah. in magic right that's true you know i hadn't thought about that with amy that this episode is all about kind of mother-daughter relationships and i kind of forgot to think about that where amy's concerned yeah, yeah. um oh, that's funny but the uh right and there's not a lot of explicit stuff there there's just like sort of one look that she that she gives um but i like uh with Willow, the, the, the relationship there and, and her, well, you know, attempts sorry, to actually ahead. become the sort of rebel that ever, I'm sorry, what? No, we're good. Keep going. I'm sorry. Um, was I breaking up? Can you hear me? <laughs> Can you Uh-oh. hear me? Can you hear, hear me now? You. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. No, I can hear you. I think there might be a slight lag. I can hear you if you want to. 
Okay, that's probably it. Are we good now, or are I we delayed? Know. You tell me. Okay. I, th I think we're good. Yeah? Okay, we're back. We're back. All right. Uh-huh. There's still a delay, I think. Okay. Um, you were starting to say about Willow's attempts to be a rebel. Yes, right. So, yeah, no, I just, I like that. So she's, she kind of plays with it, right? It's like, okay, you're going to be accusing me of this stuff, so I'm going to embrace it. And, and, <laughs> I, I mean, I love, the, I love when she says, do you see any goats around? It's because I sacrificed them all. <laughs> That's like probably my favorite line in that whole sort of rebellious litany of, evil things that she's doing, you know, worshiping Beelzebub and, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but I mean, you know, obviously sort of the point there is like, you know, look, you're, you're accusing me of all this stuff. And if you keep doing it, you're actually going to drive me down this path, you know, like just cause I want to like, not even because like, I just want to rebel now. Like I wasn't actually rebelling before, yeah. but, now that you've accused me of it, I kind of want to just so I can get whatever I can out of the accusation that you're laying on me. And, and, yeah. um, you know, and she points out like, you know, and of course we already know like Willow is not a rebel in any sort of way. And, and <laughs> I just want to learn stuff. Um, you know, the, the, yeah. the idea of like, this is the first time she's ever been in trouble. And like, suddenly like yeah. it's she's not just in trouble but it's like you know extreme i mean it becomes extreme in the end i mean kind of getting tied to mm. a big stake and being burned alive is sort of an extreme punishment for any anything almost. sure is um but the uh you know but her point of like you know getting grounded and whatever it's like but you know this is coming out of the blue like you didn't even notice that i had cut my hair in august and i should point out this episode, like, we get the reference to Buffy's birthday. Buffy's birthday is in January. Right. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. January or something, isn't it? Yeah. January. Um, you know, so, like, you yeah. know, we're talking months ago that she cut her hair and her mother hadn't even noticed. Yeah. Like, you almost feel like yeah. in that amount of time her hair would have grown again to the point where, like, the fact that it had been cut wasn't, you know, that big. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so the, you know, the, the idea of... Like this, you know, this is kind of an extreme step to take, um, at least, you know, from Willow's perspective to, to ground her for something yeah. that like, what's the accusation really? She's got some weird herbs yeah. and, you know, not even like drugs, like these are actually herbs. So you know what I mean? Like it's not even just like, yeah. you know, like what, what really is going on here? So. Yeah, no, I, a lot of that was what I was thinking, that it starts off with Willow just wanting to explain, trying to tell her mom what mm -hmm. she can do. You know, I can lift a pencil, I can summon two of the four <laughs> elements, all this stuff. And and her mom doesn't yeah. listen to that and just wants to, you, you get the idea that, I don't know what her mom does, but clearly I think she's something like a right. child psychologist right. or something. Like she's... So he's just trying to psychoanalyze her, put her in whatever age group or box she belongs in. 
And it's not until after Willow's tried to explain herself and her mom's clearly, clearly not listening that she originally her mom is saying one of the things she's trying to do is like just get attention and it doesn't seem to be because it seems like willow's doing just fine without any attention mm. of any sort um but once you know you get like the anger starts to come in of well you're gonna you know punish me you know for things i haven't done or punish me unfairly when i've never been in trouble before all these things then she is just trying to shock her you know that's when it like 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 you said, like if you're going to accuse me of it, I might as well earn what I'm going to be punished for. So, you know, all the stuff about, you know, uh, Prince of Night, come <laughs> fill me with your black, naughty, evil, all that. Like, that's, that is the cry for attention. That's yeah. the, like, you know, I'm doing this to get you to listen, you know, because I tried explaining and you're not listening. So what do you got to say to get right. mom to right. listen? Right. right. Um, and it's kind of funny how she's originally not doing that. It's only when mom sort of tries to tell her what group she conforms to that she then kind of goes out of her way to conform mm. to that group in order to mm. kind of get her attention a little yeah. bit, it seems to me. And she's dating a musician, but, um, which is just the... And she's and of course, that's the only thing that right. her mom really... That, oh, oh, Willow. Willow. Like, all of this stuff. She, she worships Beelzebub, but... The really distasteful thing is yeah, I'm dating yeah, a musician. <laughs> and that's the only thing that she remembers mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah. Which is really funny. She's, I like that line about she's doing that selective memory thing that your mom used to be so <laughs> right, good at. Right, right, right. Um, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I mean, and it's, it's interesting because we, it, it's kind of funny because, I mean, on the one hand, we haven't, heard a lot about willow's mom but um like you talked about sort of retconning the ood here and and it almost feels like that's <laughs> maybe a little bit what's going on here because it's like they're explaining almost why you wouldn't have heard that much about willow's mom <laughs> you know it's because she's not seriously really yeah. around and it's like yeah and now yeah well and and all the mentions of her parents always seem to be sort of out of town mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of explaining or like not really caring why they are so what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, no. And so you kind of you meet her mom and you go, "Yeah, I believe that." Like this is a parent who isn't terribly right, interested right. And in her, her father kid, you know, is and, away this weekend um, kind sees, of thing, yeah. is more interested in more interested in her kids sort of conformity to social norms some or whatever. Textbook, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um so um, but we do see that Willow's actually not that good of a witch, at least um, when uh, yeah. <laughs> at the end there, the, the sort of the final scene, she's not able to change Amy back from being a rat. Um, yeah. So. So are we going to see Amy again or does she live out the rest of her days as a rat? Or I'm can you not, not going to say. Um, okay. Okay. We do see Amy the rat again. The rat. So, at so least we will we'll at least see the rat again. I won't okay. tell you what sort of happens with any of that because there is, um, uh huh, and definite things happen, but I won't tell you what. <laughs> That's um, funny. That's funny. And what is it with Amy and rats? Well, and that, turning yeah, things into rats because, like, we talk about Amy being a witch, but like. That's the only thing she can do. It's like you know, she's like a one-trick pony, right? Apparently, she just, she, you know, yep. she 
she can she can do the rat thing all day, but and I love yep. Buffy's like, why couldn't she do us first? But like, right. actually, you might be okay now with not having been turned into a rat, considering right because like, now she's stuck like that. Yeah, back if that was the case. Right. So yeah, no, it's it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, that that yeah that seems to be so i mean i guess what what uh, anything else about sort of amy before we go i mean um i mean before we move on to others uh no, no okay. i don't or, think or, so or michael that was all even I had for we get even less about him so i'm sort of tongue in cheek there no um, no okay so like i guess i mean obviously you know will is sort of a big part of the episode um but like, there's also mm-hmm. a lot in here about Buffy and Joyce and sort of their relationship, mm-hmm. and and I like that. Um, I like. Well, I I was just, I'll just say this, and then you know, feel free to tell me what you think. But I, I I like that. Like, we're still getting Joyce as like not quite coming to grips, right? Like, so I mean, she's she's in yeah. on the whole thing or whatever, but she's still sort of feeling her way around like what is what's her role now that she knows about the supernatural activity now that she knows about what Buffy does. So (laughs) I like the opening where she's coming out to, you know, bring her a snack while she's slaying, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, it would be like your mother showing up your first date, your new job or not even first day, but just like, you know, kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what? (laughs) Like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Yeah. You never, and and the same sort of thing. It's like, you never took interest before, like when she was out late all the time, you know, but now like, now, okay, you know, she's out slaying. So you're going to make her a little snack. Like what's going on here? Well, this is the the, totally the most inappropriate way of taking in interest. Right. Like, really, you're going to come out and distract her while she's trying to... Right, it's dangerous evil. for you. Or worse, it's get yourself in trouble. It's, you yeah. know, just yeah, not yeah. all around. And then just sort of the emotional factor of, oh, that's Mr. Sanderson from the bank. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the realization of these are people I know that are being killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. Which plays into mm-hmm. kind of the rest of the episode that whole idea of her kind of realization that how close to home all this is. Um, and I like to, um, the way that when she finds the children and, and is sort of distraught by that, that kind of role reversal there of mm. Buffy kind of comforting her and saying, I'm going to find whoever did it, you know, um, I'm sorry you had to see that. I'll take care of everything. Like that sounds like a parent talking to her child, you know, that, and when it comes to this stuff, Buffy is the mature experienced one, you know, and Joyce is very much the innocent, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I kind of like, that was like a subtle little way of showing how unconnected Mm -hmm. Joyce is, you know, compared to Buffy at least. Yeah. Um, with what's yeah, going well, on. And, and you do get that, right? So parents are supposed to sort of shelter their kids from the yeah. evils of the world, at least until they can sort of handle it or, you know, whatever. And and I mean, obviously, it's imperfect. Nobody's ever able to sort of really 
shelter your kids completely or whatever and and you don't want to in the long run i mean you want them to grow up to be well-adjusted people which means at some point they have to be sort of introduced to what those bad things are but like yeah this is a shock this is a uh you know oh it's it's one thing you know to have buffy kind of being out there protecting people and killing demons and stuff but like it apparently never occurred to her that some of the victims could be young children you know what I mean? To Joyce, I mean, yeah. and, and so, um, yeah, yeah, you, you do, it, it does, you know, we haven't talked about levels of knowledge sort of in a while and it, it's like, you know, the deeper you go into like a field of study, kind of the more minutia there is to find about that, you know, mm-hmm. and this is like, yeah, Joyce has been introduced, but now it's like, there's, there's another like level of realization even sort of beyond that to say, you know, it's not just an abstract, oh, there are demons that run about. It's these things really occur and they occur to people, people I know and also to people I don't know, yeah. but who are completely innocent. Um, of course, the yeah. children yeah. are a demon. So, I mean, that's not true in this particular case, but but that realization is right. actually a valid one, even if the 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 specific case is not. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which kind of informs her whole mm-hmm. speech to the community, which I think is really interesting because I think there's some truth yeah. in what she's saying, you know, in and in, in this whole idea of like her kind of wanting to issue this wake up call to a community which is clearly, you know having it's not just Joyce and Sheila with selective memory right it's like everybody um so you kind of start thinking yeah go Joyce because she's saying like um how about they're afraid to speak out that they've all lost people under sort of mysterious and violent circumstances and nobody's really putting two and two together um and uh and and that the especially that line about um she was supposed to lead us in silence, but silence is this town's mm. disease. And all of that is kind of yeah. true, I think. Um, and then there's that shift because she starts to throw uh, some of the babies <laughs> out with the bathwater. Like her right? own. Like, because they're lying, her, like her own baby. Um, so she says, this isn't our town anymore. It belongs to the monsters and the witches and the slayers. Which is kind of a pretty harsh, specific. Yeah, there's only one slayer. Well, know, there's two slayers, but yeah, like, like it's. But like, there's no real question right, who right. she's talking about. Um, it's time for us grown-ups to take Sunnydale back. Um, I say we start by making the, finding the people who did this and making them pay. So you get, I mean, first you kind of have Buffy's. Even if there's truth to what Joyce is saying. You still have Buffy and Joyce, or, or and Giles, a little uncomfortable with the fact that she's saying this because they want a certain amount of discretion, you know, and she's kind of blowing their cover a little bit, you know. But even then, you can kind of understand where she's coming from and that she's saying things which might need to be said. But then you just get Buffy's look of just p- mm-hmm. betrayal, you know, that she's clearly, you know, thrown Buffy in as one of the monsters. Right. Right. That needs to right. be stopped. She's, she's equating so, um, right. She's equating Buffy and and the witches who 
You know, don't, I mean, yeah. and, and you don't want to get the sense that there aren't bad witches either, but like at least the, yeah, the witches might be kind of an, an, a, a morally neutral right. term. Like there might be good right. and bad witches and it right. depends right. on the person. And, you know. and right. And so it's the sort of thing of just like, you know, you have the, you're going from sort of like the evil to the ambiguous to the, you know, clearly, yeah. On the side yeah, of good, yeah, yeah. Fighting against the evil and stuff, but she sort of mixes them all together. And, and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a really telling moment. Um, and again, just sort of, just sort of, and of course, we don't know exactly at what point she's being influenced by. That's, that was my main question coming to out of this episode because you don't really get any scenes with Joyce after the sort of spell is lifted and the demon mm. is killed at the end. So that was sort of my, my, the big open question to me was, I mean, clearly Joyce targeting Buffy and trying to kill Buffy and her friends is under the influence. I right. mean, there's no right. question and, about that. And the others are but too. how like, much of this? Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, they're, that's clearly the demon at work. But I don't know how much of this original speech is what Joyce mm -hmm. actually thinks and what is the influence of the demon. And maybe we're not supposed to know that yet. You know, maybe that is an open-ended yeah. question. Yeah, you know? well, and that's that's kind of what I, where I was going with that is that you, we don't know. We don't, because we don't get the reveal until later. And, and I don't, know that we can assume because everyone sees the kids in the park right the dead bodies that right. are really the kids so it it seems like the demon can sort of selectively show himself you know in this form like mm. in, in some cases he can everyone can see the kids and others you know he can he can just, just sort of, one yeah, person one or whatever or yeah if you can see him at a time because you you do sort of get at the end that he's still appearing to like all the adults in the room while Buffy and and them are tied up, but they can't really. It doesn't seem like they're right, they can right. see him, or or at least not as clearly um, as right. Not until yeah. Giles sort of comes in and does his revealing spell with the potion <laughs> and stuff and his yeah his German <laughs> revealing spell. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you're right because I think like this stuff has probably been weighing on Joyce's mind. Like, and, and, and some of it's triggered, I'm sure by finding the dead kids, but you know, she, she seems a little bit more like it's, it's, you know, she seems a little too eloquent to sort of be speaking completely off the cuff there. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it, like it seems like it's stuff that may have been ruminating for a little while. And it just sort of, you know, the yeah. the kids may have been the trigger, but the thoughts were already kind of there. Um, yeah. Interesting that she does uh, bring up the monsters and, and sort of equates Slayers with the monsters because we've already seen Buffy sort of in that, like, is, is she any better than a killer? Like, we sort of get a little discussion between her and Faith at one point, you know, is a Slayer just a killer or are slayers different like do is there a special license yeah um you know it, or dispensation in that case and we also get the um the sort of references here you know buffy talks about you know 
tell me you can she says to giles you know like is you know is this a special situation if it is a human you know can mm-hmm. i go after him right. anyway kind of thing like right can we get a loophole yeah. in the slayers don't kill people right no exactly and and i think yeah. it's i think that's interesting because because you are starting to sort of talk about where where are those lines and and I don't know how much we have sort of talked about that, but I just sort of want to point that up as like, like that we have gotten that a few episodes already, like sort of oblique references or whatever, mm-hmm. but there, there, there's definitely sort of a theme I think developing in, in the, what, what is the proper nature of a slayer and is it possible to go too far? And if so, where is that line that you don't want to cross? And, and, and yeah, yeah, well, and it was pretty explicit in Ted, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, which still, there was a pretty heavy element of that having been right. an accident, you know. And it's mitigated at the end when we realized he yeah, wasn't he was a robot, human right, after so. all. But but those issues were sort of percolating mm-hmm. since then, I think. Um at least since then. Yeah, no, so, and and they. I mean, yeah. I think they've always been there. I mean, clearly Buffy as a Slayer is only supposed to be, you know, uh, killing vampires yes. and demons, or whatever. Like that's that's pretty clear yeah. right at the beginning. But I I think we're getting more questions about that. Like, well, what if what if a human is monstrous? You know, like you know where where does that? Right. And 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 I think you know we get Giles this sort of rebuke here of, you know. Yes, it's a terrible crime, but they're sort of human institutions to deal with crime. And they're not perfect by right. any means. We know that. But we have to sort of let those work themselves out. Um, you know. Yeah, we've talked about that with Buffy of the idea of her having sort of mm-hmm. a jurisdiction. And what exactly. So is it defined by what you are so she can deal with monsters but she can't deal with people or is it defined more by action you know so would would a monstrous heinous Mm -hmm. human crime fall under the realm of what she has the authority to? and i would even go back to last week you know with with amends we have um you know it's it's another one where we have an evil thing sort of appearing to selective people and in that instance, you know, Buffy, show me something to pummel, right? You know, what what can I pummel? Yeah, and yeah. and what is it? Well, it's it's the humans who are trying to bring this evil thing about. So there does seem to be some kind of license to go after humans in some cases, but mm-hmm. when when that is, is still sort of like it's not again entirely clear when that may or may not be. So um, yeah, or what about something like? Like a witch, like like say there was a bad witch who was human but had called in. Well, I guess we've seen her deal with Amy's mother, so maybe that's that question answered. That yeah. you know, well, a a human using of evil powers counts as. But even, even there, one of the you know, like maybe. Amy's mother, you know, Buffy just reflected, sort of literally, you know, that right, kind of did the it to herself, magic right? Back on her. So again, it's not Buffy killing like she's not slaying the human in yeah. that instance either so yeah. you know again i think these are all you know sort of fuzzy lines and and i just sort of want yeah. to point out that we've gotten and and yes we it's not like the issue has been completely ignored in the past either but 
maybe uh, may, maybe something to just sort of keep a thought on um, here. I, I would also mm-hmm. sort of I want to bring up um, Buffy and Angel, the scene we get there too, because we have sort of a reversal, right, of of what's mm. going yes. on with them, yes. um, where Angel now has to remind her and and sort of. Um, yeah. It might seem a little cheesy because we're watching it back to back, but I, I, I want to note that these episodes, there, there was a break here. So the last one was that we saw was the Christmas episode would have been mid-December. Right, and so there right. would have been sort of like that December to January break. And now we're coming up um, yeah. like in, you know, to like mid-January a month or so later. So, so. Right. That parallel wouldn't have been right. quite so as some obvious as is to show people like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. There was this whole thing with Angel where she was talking about. And, and that's why. So like even so if it seems a little forced watching it, you know, one week to the next, just want to point that or even, you know, watching it back to back <laughs> as it may be, you know, if you're sort of been yeah, watching yeah. It or whatever. Um, you know, it, I don't think originally when when people watch it, it would have been quite as. Um, no, no, I so, think you're right. Um, but I do think it's an important reminder that we get because it's, you know, it does show that even, you know, Buffy has to be reminded again that it's, you know, there, there's effort, even yeah. if we don't wait. And I, and I like sort of the way they put that because, um, you know, Angel says, there's a lot I don't understand, but I do know it's important to keep fighting. I learned that from you. And Buffy says, we never... And then Angel says, we never win. And Buffy says, not completely. And that's yeah. why. Like, there's no, there's no end to the stream. And, and um, even Buffy right. says to her mother, when her mother's sort of saying, what you're doing is fruitless, Buffy says, I, I don't think you run right. out of vampires. Yeah, like, a job well done if you've taken care of every monster in the world. And it's like, well, it's not yeah, kind of how no, it works. You know, your, your, your level of success isn't, determined by you know elimination you know uh it's it's to use the tolkienian term it's fighting the long defeat it's keeping going even though there is maybe no end Mm. that you can see it the the value is in the fight not in any quantifiable you know accomplishment i guess um but that can be very discouraging when you're in it because it just feels it feel, it feels fruitless. It feels sort of endless and pointless yeah. that way. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So, especially when your mom right. tells you, right? And that's and, and <laughs> that again, that's help. right. And that scene with Angel comes right after that scene with her mother, um, where she tells her that yeah. it's fruitless and everything she's doing. You know, she's not organized enough. She doesn't have a plan, and you know all this stuff, and it's. Like, well, yeah, you're right, because it's not really how it works. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, anything else on Buffy or Joyce or, or even Angel um, that you wanted to bring up? Um. Well, let me see. Moo, <laughs> do we need to acknowledge we, we, we had, we the best acronym? Moo <laughs> Oh, we did say moo. That's right. We had foo and moo. Um, and uh, and I like I like, I like Buffy's um, lame attempt to 
convince them that she's a powerful witch, saying she'll turn them into fish. <laughs> yeah, you, you in yeah, the back. you in the back will be fish. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. That was funny. Um, no, I think that's everything that I had for those two. Um, anything on sort of the the Hansel and Gretel stuff that you wanted to talk about? Because um, that's sort of tied into well their whole discussion. I mean, yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on that idea of fairy tales mm-hmm. are real. So this is kind of the most pointed version we've got, even though I feel like that theme mm-hmm. has been in there. This is stating mm-hmm. it outright, you know, that there's an anthropological theory, which seems to be true, you know, which is that all of these sort of folk tales have roots in mm-hmm. something or other. Um, so kind of an interesting idea that these children would or what appear to be children, this demon sort of goes from community to community, reenacting this scenario, you know, to get people to act a certain way. And it's a, it was a cool little subversion to have the children be the the bad right. guys. And the, the witch was, a, we can assume, you know, a victim of them. In, um, in sort of like the classic so, fairy tale version of the story, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, but then that kind of ties into, again, the Salem witch trials and everything. When we do think of, you know, the alleged witches as victims, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, it was cool. I like that little subversion yeah. there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the demon dies at the end. Um, I guess, uh, sort of, I mentioned the first earlier. Were, did Were you thinking when... Um, we saw the kids that they might be the first at all because he appeared as dead. The first, people. you know, no, I never no. made that connection. I was just curious. No. I mean, it's not true. Like we find out that this is actually a demon that Buffy can fight. So it's, I was just curious. Like I, right. I wondered if they sort of did that intentionally to make people wonder if it was the right. first coming. No, there is a similarity back, but, there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of when you realize that nobody knows who these kids are and, and Buffy's sort of pointing out that they don't have names or addresses or parents or, you know, any of the things mm. you would normally associate yeah. with children, um, you know, then, yeah. then you have to start to wonder. But um. Right. Yeah, no, I don't know why my brain didn't go that way. I think I'm pretty, you know, maybe the first is a supervillain that we'll see many more times. But I think I was thinking more of where's the monster of the mm-hmm. week. I wasn't necessarily looking for the connection between enough. the two. But now that you say that, now that you say that, there is a similarity. So they do actually kind of work well right, right next right. to each other. Yeah, fair enough. Know? And I'm not saying you should have thought of that because, like I said, the the demon gets killed. It clearly is not the first in this instance. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. Not thinking that is perfectly fine. That's actually the correct thing. So I was just curious if that did. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, it's been a while since the first time that I saw this, but I think I remember thinking that initially, at least, that it, that it could it was, be the first, um, yeah. the first coming back again, sort of in a different form. But right. Um, right. Anyway, um, I think we need to talk about Xander and Oz. Um, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, we should talk about Giles, too. So I don't know if we can do all of them in, like, the next 10 minutes or so. But um, what do you think about Xander and Oz being sort of buddy-buddy in this episode? 
I, yeah. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, well, so Xander's kind of trying to manufacture tension that isn't really there. Oz is kind of either completely tension-free or he's just so chilled out that whatever is really going on, we <laughs> are not privy to it. But I kind of like that when crisis happens, they both sort of mm -hmm. just drop that. And it really doesn't become an issue in the second half of the episode. It's really just about them teaming up to go, you know, to save the others, but really to save Willow. You know, and really it becomes about, you know, put our own issues to the side and yeah. saving Willow yeah. is what's important. Um, so I kind of like that they do that and it doesn't become like a big dramatic like confrontation about anything it's really just you know yeah getting yeah. it done um so yeah, well i i like the kind of economy of that i like right. it um but i like and i like their kind of awkward things which aren't fights at all like hey you have a burrito this is a burrito damn straight <laughs> like it's like not a confrontation right. it's just you know, but in Xander's mind, he's being judged for all sorts right. of things. Yeah, and, no, I mean, you're, you know. yeah, Xander clearly is being extremely neurotic about all of this stuff. And and he's, you know, he's talking about <laughs> future guilt and all, you know, all this stuff. Like everyone, everyone right. expects me and to mess like, up, oh, you know, man. again. And it's like, well, I don't know that that's true. Like it. it no, I don't think. I think I think right. Xander expects right. him anything, to mess, it's, to mess it's, up he's again. The one who's expecting himself yeah. to mess up. Yeah. And he's sort of. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, projecting. Trying to alleviate his guilt yeah, ahead of time. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And definitely and, projecting and onto the, the others. The sense yeah. that I get from Oz is, and this is just, I mean, my reading into it. I don't, I don't know if this is yeah. true or not. I don't think ever, we ever really get an answer. But you almost feel like. When he, when he said to Willow in the last episode, you know, I'd like to take a shot. Mm -hmm. Almost by default, he's also including Xander in that statement. I mean, it's like he's yeah. And I don't know. Like I almost said, he's forgiven Willow. I I don't even know if that's precisely true. I mean, I guess in a sense. You know, but there's not there's no no words like I forgive you for what you did. It's more like let's just not we're starting in a new place. It's a completely new spot. Yeah. And so because you know, I mean he and he acknowledges that, you know, there things may never be completely, you know, um he acknowledges the history that that willow and xander have right and and yeah so you almost get the feeling like in this episode now he's he's like what oz has already sort of come to grips with the fact that xander's sticking around and he just needs to if yeah. he's going to give it a shot with willow he needs to just sort of accept xander as he is awkwardness yeah. and all <laughs> you know like like yes, yes. that's just the way it is yeah. and that xander hopefully will get there on his own at some point but it's not you know really uh yeah. uh you know he's he's still struggling and i think you're right i think he's he's the one who is expecting himself to fail i don't think that that's oz um yeah or anyone in particular and and <laughs> and 
and it's coming out in these weird ways. And, and I just love, you know, that Buffy sort of puts him in his place. Well, you are guilty. Yeah. Like that's why you're feeling yeah, guilty. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. You're guilty. Is a man is a man not innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. You are guilty. And that's the I was so happy she said that because that's what I was thinking. Was like, well, wait a minute now. Like you 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 did what it is you are right. protesting there right. or the thing which you're upset that everyone is blaming you for, you actually right. did. Um, so and they're not even really blaming no, you anymore no. anyway. So But, but on the other hand, yeah. You can sort of, I mean, it's easy to sort of see, I mean, because Willow, you know, I mean, she's been sort of taken back and been forgiven or whatever. And, and, and we're not hearing, we're not hearing her, you know, you know, again, sort of, oh, you know, we deserve the punishment we get and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Xander hasn't been. And, and that might be part of it. And we see Cordy blaming you know, and, and saying how crappy they all are again, you know, we see, and it's like, in a way it's even worse now. Not that, I mean, it's the same content of what she's always, you know, or what she said before, but now it's, now she has a reason to say it, a valid reason to say it. Um, and, and, and I think that might be more, it's like, who can forgive Xander? The only one who could forgive him is Cordy and she won't. She's not going to, it seems, you know, I mean, there's, I don't know. I don't know. Any any additional thoughts there? Well, I, no, that seems right as far as Cordy and Xander are concerned. Although I was kind of interested to see how involved she was in this episode Mm. that she, you know, goes to Giles for help and she goes with him to help him. And she like, you know, breaks the glass with her elbow, which is pretty awesome, and gets the hose and everything. So even though she doesn't seem to be any closer to forgiving Xander, she hasn't gone back to the kind of um, aloofness that she had back in season one. Like, she's still involved, it seems to me. Um, Maybe not in her free time or of her own will, but in a crisis, she is still kind of part of the group yeah Um, although i i would say that so i think you're right but i think in a sense she's reverted to the point where it's more about her self-interest right it's because her mother took away her black clothes and her scented candles it's not because of anything that's you know has to do with her friends or whatever you know what i mean like where i think she had gotten to that point when when she was with them before. So I think, I think you're right. I don't think it's, I mean, it's certainly not back to the point where she wasn't even aware of sort of the stuff that's going on. And and it's not even to the point where it's like, you know, uh, well, sort of, I'll begrudgingly help you, but she is, she is, it seems to me, at least to some degree. Yeah, no, it's, it's more of a, of, two steps forward, mm-hmm. one step back kind of thing. It's not back to square one. It is a regression, but there's still a sense of certain things are changed too much to really go back to the right. way they were before. You know, she's still in the higher mm-hmm. level of knowledge, you know, whether she likes being mm-hmm. there or not. Right, you know? right. And, and um, she's kind of in that circle by and, default, and I guess. Sort of comparing her to Joyce is recognizing that there are actually, I mean, there's there's a valid 
reason to sort of fight this stuff, even if that valid reason is to preserve yeah. the lifestyle I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah, not yeah. you know exactly uh, philanthropic, but it's 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 at least you know there's at least a sort of a sense of duty there that's you know yeah. that doesn't take the form that like moo and the others take right no and and that reminds me of like the the wish mm. because she she does kind of have that moment of indulgence of i wish buffy had never come to sunnydale but in the face of the practical reality of that she realizes that that was a stupid thing to wish for that actually buffy is extremely important for everybody including her own you know, selfish well-being too. So she immediately starts to try to see what she can do to fix that. Whereas, so she's not doing what Joyce is doing, which is lumping Buffy. She may not like Buffy, and she may not like the group anymore, but she's not doing the Joyce thing of putting all of them in the right. same category. You know, Buffy and the Scoobies might be freaks and losers, but they're not the monsters you know she still sees a difference between the good guys and the bad guys so she hasn't quite go gone back to that point of like not even acknowledging that there's a difference right. anymore right um <laughs> the other I, I love when she's slapping giles awake <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of these times you're gonna exactly. wake up in a coma <laughs> and he's just so flabbergasted by that wait wake up in a coma <laughs> Wake up in it. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and she has a couple of other little slide, snide remarks, like, um, you know, uh, like mentioning his evil teenage ripper years, um, because, like, you know, yeah. what, you know, the the thing smells bad or something. You know, what I mean? like I forget exactly what it is that sort of sets yeah. her off there, but it's like the most minimal thing that she just happens to not like, you know, <laughs> means that he's, you know, this evil guy again. But anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well. No, she was, she's good. She's always funny. Um, any, any other things you wanted to bring up? I think um, the only, the only people we didn't sort of address and they're pretty minor in this episode are, uh, the mayor and Snyder. Um, any any mm. sort of thirty second thoughts about either of them? Or, um, uh, well, nothing that doesn't seem pretty characteristic at this point. I mean, Snyder quite enjoys you know his little mm. power trip, and that seems like the Snyder <laughs> we've come to know. Um, he got a tingly like feeling, his, I'm sure. He did. Um, you'll have to answer to Moo. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like his little petty war with, you know, Giles about who has the most authority, you know, yeah. continues. So it's kind of points for Snyder this week. Um, and the mayor was just interesting because he didn't really do much, but he's still kind of there as this presence. And especially when we don't know what his motivations and goals are so to have him like as the the you know authority figure at this you know because you know he knows about all this stuff 
even though he's right. not we've seen it. him like, like trying to knows. sacrifice to demons already <laughs> like, yeah no he knows about the demon activity he knows about the monsters and the slayers and everything um so it's kind of interesting to hear i was interested to see that he was in that scene and kind of hear what he would mm -hmm. have to say and he doesn't kind of say much he kind of toes the line of telling people what they want to hear you know that you're all very caring and I promise this won't happen again, which is right. like, yeah, well, a typical know, politician sort of thing, right? I mean, you, you get the yeah, sense yeah. that he's been here before he's done this before. Not, you know, not this yeah. particular situation. Yeah. No, it's but, in the moment yeah. of crisis. Yeah. He's sort of just saying what, what they want to hear at that point. So he didn't, I mean, and, and that actually shouldn't surprise me that he is a good politician. So he's not going to say anything very revealing. He's just going to say, you know, what uh what he's expected mm -hmm. to say in the moment so um but just further reminders that he's there and in the background and we're not quite sure what he has to do with all this stuff so yeah right right well that's all i had for them i don't know if you had anything else no no i think i mean yeah they're not in that a lot and i think you pretty much hit hit back on uh or hit hit on what 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 their uh sort of main purpose is here so um anyway well uh okay. so we already actually we got the reference in this episode that buffy's birthday is next week so we'll get another birthday yes. episode um and yes. we sort of talked about those <laughs> um and and how they they don't always right. work out so well <laughs> Um, so wait, I, I couldn't understand this cause they said something about it twice and the spell that Willow did mm -hmm. for Buffy's birthday, did she say it was a protection spell or a prediction oh, spell? Pro protection. protection. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. But then one of the times when they said it, it sounded like prediction. And so I wanted to clarify cause I figured that's what it was. It's like, they figure something bad is going to happen. So Willow's trying to make sure everything goes well for the birthday. That was my kind of. Um, yeah, I don't, I think it was it. just more so, of like, or maybe I think it was wrong. more of just like a general, like, you know, because she's out fighting, you know, evil at, at the time, see. but, um, you know, that it was something that she was going right. to give her for her birthday. Cause you know, I don't, I, I don't see. know that necessarily within, um, you know, sort of the, the narrative of the show that they've seen sort of the pattern yet before between Buffy's birthdays and things not working out <laughs> so well. That's that's okay. more me just sort of telling you that things tend not to work out <laughs> yeah. for her birthday. Um but this is yeah. uh definitely a, a a very interesting episode coming up next week and and um no, just sort of knowing that it's a birthday episode and, and having talked about that before you might expect um yeah. You know, that sort of thing to happen. But uh yeah, I don't want to give anything yeah. away, so maybe shouldn't shouldn't say too much more at this point. So No. Um No, I'm excited to watch it. Well, and uh we'll we'll be talking about it again next week. So uh See you then. Mm -hmm.